You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Hey, Michael, how you doing today? Fantastic. What's up, man? I was thinking we would consider you a veteran teacher now, wouldn't we? Ah, do, do you think I have to change my Twitter profile? Yeah, old man Milton. Old man Milton, that's who I am now. Yeah, I guess I've been around the block for since 2009. I am no longer a newish teacher. Yeah, you're up in age group. You're pretty established and esteemed. There's like kids that have passed down probably rumors about you year after year. Oh, you have old man Milton, huh? Old man Milton. Oh, he's crazy. Yeah, no, that actually really makes me think a lot. Oh, God. Where does time (laughs) go? Well, so I'm not trying to make you feel bad about your experience because I think a lot of people would, would agree that teaching experience is really important. But I'm a little curious what, uh, and I promise only to use old man Milton in this episode. Um, oh, good. Thank you. I'm glad what, it's not a thing. <laughs> what type of advice old man Milton would give to the new teachers that are walking to, into the school? What kind of support would you give them? What kind of support would I give them? Um, I feel like when you're a new teacher, it's there's a lot of issues that people have in, in, and they seem to be very specific. And so I think just giving student uh, new teachers a place to talk and then really just to probe with questions, just to kind of like help them work out the issue rather than just totally giving them advice. I think that's kind of how I would, I would deal with it and how I would talk to myself as a young man, Milton. Hmm. Well, that's a whole nother podcast. What you would say to your younger self. Oh, cute. What a cute idea. Well, fortunately today, we have someone who has thought a lot about how we can support new teachers, and so we would like to welcome into the podcast, Lisa Dabbs. Hey, you guys. Okay, I just love your banter. It's just absolutely um, inspiring and uh, hysterical. (laughs) We're known for our banter, actually. My mother uh, commented on it one day. She said, you two have good banter. (laughs) I don't know if inspiring is the word most people say, though. It's more like... um, there interesting and <laughs> the stuff before the guests I, come on i promise i don't fast forward three minutes in <laughs> but i like it it's what make i mean i would be like i'm drawn into the program because of the banter well done gentlemen i love it all right so can you tell us a little bit about your uh, background in education i will i will and and thank you again for having me on your show I, i'm very very honored so you know i I grew up in a family of educators, and my grandma, who is no longer with us, she would she would be like 105 if she was. Um, she was and is continues to be my um, inspiration for doing what I do. She graduated from UCLA back in a time when women of her time, okay, early, early, early 1900s, didn't do that, and she was really the inspiration for the entire family on my mom's side uh, to become educators. So, growing up in a family of educators, naturally, I fought becoming an educator, but eventually I became an educator. And through that time, I worked as a, as a teacher, a project director of federal programs. And then I eventually uh, was very blessed to become a principal. It was one of my goals. I wanted to be the, o- the first female principal in our family. To this day, I'm the only female principal in our family. My sister said, forget that. We're not doing that. 
So um, being a school principal is, you know, a big a part of what my passion is, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And besides that, I'm also an adjunct professor at the University of Laverne, which is a local university here in Southern California. Do you think your your Nana would be um, happy to have you as a principal? I'm sure she would, but I hope she well, would. I have, to, I have to tell you something. When I was a kindergarten teacher and grandma was still driving in her little green uh, VW, she would come down, you guys, and help me in the classroom. She would sit at a station and work with my kids. She was amazing. And yes, I think she would have wanted to be a teacher under me when I was a principal. And you would want her to be under you. Um, Being your grandma's boss, that's actually very Uh, interesting. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'm not sure. Grandma was very, uh, grandma spoke five languages. She herself was an adjunct professor. She was brilliant woman and quite opinionated. So um, I don't know if I would have wanted her as a student or a teacher, (laughs) but um, oh, she was absolutely amazing. So uh, I I feel like so uh, fortunate to have her DNA, you know, uh, if you will, flowing through me. Oh, yeah. Teaching really is in your blood. Yes, absolutely. That's a really cool story, um, Lisa. It resonates a lot for me um, because I'm a teacher at uh, Texas Women's University. And so we have a very fascinating history because it was a, a university where um, you know women could, could go as in the early 1900s um, when there weren't a lot of other options. And you know there's a lot of sexism uh, at other universities. It is fascinating to kind of understand some of the social norms at the time and the limitations. And those women who really broke down a lot of barriers to, um, particularly in education, Oh, Dan, absolutely. Because, you know, she, she, I'll tell you just a little bit more history, um, which your listeners may, you know, buzz through it. But she was, um, her father was uh, British and her mother was Mexican. She immigrated from Mexico when she was 16. And very, very, as I said, very driven, very opinionated, left behind a lot of the old mores that had kind of, you know, followed her that my great grandmother wanted her to take on. And at 16, she was like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. So at a time where, you know, again, women of her time were homemakers, right? And especially in the Latino culture, very much so. And she's like, no, no, that's not me. And a Jewish teacher, when she was in high school, recognized, you guys, her brilliant mind. And my grandmother was poor. And this Jewish teacher dressed her up because back in the day, you guys, you had to interview to get into college. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, wow. wow. So. She dressed her up in the hat and the gloves and the suit. And my grandma went to UCLA and interviewed. And, you know, she eventually graduated summa cum laude. But my point is that she, you're absolutely right, that we have to thank women like that, Dan, for like my grandmother, who paved the road that I think many of us take for granted. And particularly young women who really don't know. But, you know, it's not that they don't mean to. But when you start to look at the lives of immigrant women and others who really you know, pave that path. It's like, wow, if they could do it, there's no reason why any of us now, and including the younger generation, the millennials, um, couldn't do it as well. It's so, I feel like, you know, sometimes we, we have, you know, the big names of, of history in, in for, you know, we talk about Susan B. Anthony, we talk about Alice Paul, but I feel like we also need to bring that other perspective in, in, in you know, teaching it that, you know, there are, you know, people like your grandmother who, stood up when you know other people didn't she or not she was able to have this opportunity and then i don't know i feel like those stories also need to be told in our our telling of history oh thank you no i had a dream um some time ago and it's still on the back burner burner to write her story because i I feel it's an important one her name was carmen gascon 
And uh, I, I believe that it's some someday I will, but I try to share her inspirational story with the students that I work with, the pre-service teachers I work with, when I start to hear them complaining about, I can't do this and I can't do that, I will slap her picture up on a screen and I will say, if she could do it, you could do it. So it really gives them a lot of hope and strength and perspective. That is fantastic. I always tell my students there's still a lot of work to be done. I think that because education is still primarily a female profession, I think we're not accorded the respect uh, we should be as a profession overall. So there's still fight, some fights to be, to be won um, for education so we can do the best for our students. But you are especially concerned with a specific group of uh, teachers. And so can you tell us a little bit about your big idea we're going to talk about today, which is supporting new teachers? I will, and I can, and thank you for giving me a, a, a forum to do that. You know, as a principal in particular, guys, I hired probably close to 100 new teachers, and the reason that was is that my career was spent in high social economic, um, low socioeconomic area, right, and high second language learning, and as a result at those schools, I had quite a bit of revolving door, so teachers that would come in and really thought that they were ready, but no matter you know what I did to, to work to equip them, they couldn't and they didn't, and so they left. And what I began to observe was this pattern of, of young teachers coming from the universities feeling like they were equipped, but indeed, even back, you guys, before the onslaught of social media, blogging, and you know all these other things we can talk about in a bit, they just weren't prepared. They weren't prepared to meet the needs of the students, especially in the lower socioeconomic areas, especially our second language learners, you know, which are huge here in Southern California. And of course, you guys know in the Southern states. And, you know, I understand from my friends in Iowa that you're getting this movement, though, guys, across the states of second language learners. So I saw that new teachers just weren't equipped. And beyond those issues, they weren't equipped to do some of the basic, simple things, guys, that we know are necessary write a lesson plan, teach a lesson plan, um, have a classroom environment where classroom management wasn't really a need, but because the environment was so well set up, issues did not arise, talking with parents, and then lastly, building relationships. And that is really what led me to the big idea of with social media, with all the tools we have in social media, what could I do as a former principal to bring to the surface, the needs of new teachers that I discovered in my work and that are still here today, guys. So my big idea is to transform the way that we support and mentor new teachers, not to survive, guys, but to thrive. I like that, not to survive, but to thrive. It also rhymes, which I, I do enjoy <laughs> rhyming. Um, I do too, as a former kindergarten teacher. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember being a new teacher and just feeling so overwhelmed. And yes. I don't think I ever left my classroom because I just didn't think that I could. I think if I could have made a cot or had a cot in my in my classroom, I would have felt better because I always felt like I had to be there and do something because I just wasn't, I didn't feel like I was doing well enough. And so I felt like more time that I put in, more hours, I would be better. That was me as a first year teacher. Wow. Yes. Oh, and it hasn't changed. I mean, no. it hasn't changed. I mean, I, I, I'll go in and I'll look at, uh, you know, we have a big conference that travels. You guys are probably familiar with it. Uh, it's called EduCause. And it's 
it's predominantly for those of us that are, you know, in higher ed and, and kind of me straddling entrepreneur with, with higher ed. And I really feel fortunate that I'm going to be presenting there in a couple of weeks. And when you go into Google Scholar and you start looking at the research, and for me, again, it's always seeking out those areas of new teacher's experience. Back to 1984, these issues are still here. New teachers not thriving, new teachers not surviving, new teachers bailing. Now we know that it, it says that within three years, new teachers leave the profession because they don't feel supported, you guys. And with the variety of social media tools, professional learning communities available, you know, there's no reason for new teachers to feel alone and isolated and disconnected. And yet they still do feel that way. And so my work, um, that I have developed, and you know, we'll talk in a minute about that as well, is just one small way to look at a way that we can support new teachers not to feel isolated and disconnected. This is an issue that's come up on a few of our episodes. You know, our uh, one of our most recent episodes, we were just talking with Nate Bowling, and he talked about the importance of getting through those first few years because, you know, he grew so much as a teacher over the years and if he hadn't been supported you know just so many teachers leave the field before they can grow into the teachers they can be um, and then also in episode 20 we talked to Francesca Forzani who's working with Teaching Works and, and one of their goals with developing high leverage practices is to make sure that teachers know how to do teacher things when they walk into the classroom so I guess I would add, turn that question around so what are some of the things that teaching things that that you just feel like new teachers need support on or specifically need some guidance on? Well, you know, guys, um, research shows that there's a tremendous need for new teachers to have the opportunity of mentoring in order to be successful in their work. And when I was a principal, that was one of the big things that I would talk about. And again, that, that was several years ago. But I would say to the, the new teachers, you know, under my wing, if you will, you know, who's your mentor? Who's working with you? Who? And they would kind of look at me and shrug their shoulders and put their hands up. And I'd say, are you not connected with your university? Do you not have, you know, uh, a professor who's mentoring you? And they would say no. So immediately, you know, as a school principal, I would work to connect them with mentors. I even did new teacher boot camps when um, I was a, a young principal. And, and I would meet with my teachers guys once a week. Anybody that wanted to come, I would have goodies and food and we would do that. Mm -hmm. And have conversations and I mean there were tears there was anger there was frustration and that was back in the mid 2000s so like 2005 so when you look at the research that still shows that teachers are leaving the profession you know new teachers young teachers I really believe guys that the linchpin is mentorship now some people will argue with me and say well you know, um, if you hook them up with a mentor, you know, what if that doesn't work? You know, yes, we can look at all the negative aspects of mentoring if you want, but that's not how I view life. That's not how I view my purpose and my vision is, well, if that mentor that you got connected with didn't work, then let's find you another mentor. And I would do that, you know, in person with my teachers. But as a result, guys, I created on my site, which is going to get a little retuning in about a week or so, uh, a new teacher mentoring project. And there's 175 plus people from around the world, guys, who have volunteered that are there on my site that new teachers can find on a Google Doc that are willing to mentor a new teacher. So if you're a new teacher and 
uh, California and, and you want mentorship from somebody and you have to connect with somebody in Iowa, say, who's uh, a history teacher and you are too, that person is willing for free to allow you to connect with them, call them, meet with them, Skype with them. Because I really feel, you guys, that this is a huge missing piece. When I was a young teacher, we had mentors who were paid. That's not the case as much now. So to answer your original question, I really think the piece that's missing is mentoring. But the other pieces that are missing are the ability to not only write a, lot, a strong lesson plan, but to execute that lesson plan, to get feedback on how that was executed. And then lastly, guys, creating an environment in their classroom where, as I said earlier, there isn't a need for like a huge classroom management plan per se, but that the environment there has been created by the teacher in such a way that there's just this wonderful ebb and flow. I remember um, when I got, was a long-term sub uh, in my school, I was a long-term sub for a year, I used to practice what I, what I called guerrilla mentoring. Um, I think I've told this story before. When I would, um, you know, I'd be having a day and I'd go into a random teacher's room and I would pretty much tell them what was going on. And with that, I could figure out who, who would be nice to me. And it was a terrible system. It was an absolutely terrible system. I did learn a lot about my colleagues and I feel like they learned probably too much about me. Um, but it was just because I, I really needed that. Um, I needed yes. that piece. It was missing. And so I, I'm glad that they're, you're offering a... Uh, a place that you know isn't just jumping into my my random next door neighbor's room um, to to get exactly. And you know what? Th the problem is that when teachers were assigned and still are assigned to mentor, you know what, guys? Some of them don't want to do it, and it's okay. And yet they're being forced to do it. I have a girlfriend who's mentoring a new teacher right now in a former district where I was a principal, and you know she emailed me and said, "I don't know what I'm supposed to do." So therein lies the rub, right? So here you are assigned to be a mentor to a new teacher and you don't know what to do. So if you go to my new teacher mentoring project, these are people 175 and growing who feel like they know what to do. They know how to be that feedback piece. They know how to be what I like to say and we, we hear this often, the guide that comes alongside, right? Not the person that tells you what to do but the one who said, tell me talk to me, share with me. So it's a really tough situation when, when you look for a mentor or you get assigned a mentor, but then if you can pick out your own mentor, even better. You know, that's interesting because um, in teacher education, the model for a long time has been that you have one pre-service teacher who is paired with one cooperating teacher, whether whatever level they're at, whether they're at student teaching or an earlier um, observation. And I've heard recently some people say it's so much more important to get students with someone who really is excited about it. And so they've, I've seen some programs that have started to go to having two or three pre-service teachers with a really excited, really good cooperating teacher. And that's been really effective for them. And it just goes to the importance of, of having someone who really wants to do it and is ready to work with students, not just, you know, tell them a few things about teaching. See, and I totally agree with that. You know, in my book, Shameless Self-Promotion here, Standing in the Gap, Empowering New Teachers Through Connected Resources, in the chapter that I wrote on mentoring, I say this. Virtual mentors can fill the gap with much-needed feedback and support where a face-to-face -face mentor may not be available. Seeking a mentor, whether they be teaching next door or across the state, is an action that can ultimately lead to a very meaningful 
collaboration. So to your point, they can pick this mentor for this or that mentor for that. And it doesn't matter. And really one of the, the chats that we had a few months back is how do we surround the new teacher with a support system that mirrors the kind of support system that we are supposed to do for students, right? So you have the support system around a student, whether it be a student that, that has a, a disability or not, or has a special need or not. What happens in our school sites? If you're in a go good school site, you're surrounding that child with a team, right? So the same needs to be true for the new teacher. We need to surround them guys with a team. So you might have this person mentoring this aspect because that's their gig, that's their thing. This person is, is surrounding the new teacher, supporting them with you know excellent lesson planning. This person is surrounding them with ways to execute and, and develop their pedagogy. So I completely agree. We need to have a system in place that surrounds the new teacher with support. What's the, uh, what's the saying that it takes a, a village to raise a, a, a teacher? Um, or is that, I think I might have it wrong, but I think we're, we're, we're trying to get a bunch of village people to, uh, to spell out YMCA or, or to help out teachers. I think that's the, the cut that we should use. Exactly. And you know, it seems like a very simplistic idea. Like you're like, oh yeah, Lisa, that sounds great. But look, in our induction programs, as far as I know, we don't really have that in place. And many new teachers that I talk to and, and I, when I'm working or my pre-service students, for example, you know, they're terrified of having to go through the induction program because they don't believe it's going to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give to or what advice will you give to new teachers um, or what advice can you give to experienced educators supporting new teachers? Well, what I would say first and foremost is I have developed a chat for new teachers and it is called New Teacher Chat, and the hashtag I developed is Pound NT Chat. Oh, just in case people don't know, the hashtag is either a tic-tac-toe or a pound sign. There you go. So, I'm sorry. That's all right, no, I love it. So it's Pound or tic-tac NT Chat, and guys, I've been on Twitter running NT Chat pretty much as a one-woman show um, for six and a half years. Wow. And the first thing I would say is if you're supporting a new teacher or working with new teachers, hit me up on Twitter, let me know. And I can share with you all kinds of things around why I developed the chat and the purpose of the chat. Then, if I can, Lisa, let me testify real quick to this because I remember all the way back in probably like 2012, um, when I was at Wichita State, having my students all participate in an NT chat. And so I just appreciate, um, I don't think a lot of people realize how much time and effort goes into kind of maintaining a chat and that you do it all on your own and have kept up. NT chat is such an incredible resource for our field. So oh, thank I don't you. know. Michael's recently learned how to add in sound effects. So this is where we add in applause, Michael. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, well, sorry. I would say, no, 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 yay! No, I would say, let them know about it because you know, guys. Here's another little little tale, and maybe some sometime soon you'll you'll do a um, a podcast with someone around this. But the issue is that I'm finding is that where are the new teachers? So, for example, I'm here with this chat. I I backed off into every other week um, back in late November of last year because after five and a half years of every week, um, it just seemed like a natural progression. So what I'm finding, though, is that unless folks like you, Dan, bring 
in, and I've had many uh, professors and adjuncts do this, bring in their pre-service teachers to the chat or new teachers to the chat. I'm not finding that they're there. So as we're looking for new teachers, people say, oh, Lisa, you need to be on Snapchat because that's where, there are, where they are. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm in a lot of social media spaces, but I'm not going to Snapchat because I, I just, you know, I, I think it's great if you're there, you know, bravo. But my statement to them is bring them out of Snapchat onto Twitter, bring them out of Snapchat onto Facebook. I have a Facebook community as well. Bring them out of Snapchat onto Google Plus. I have a Google Plus community as well. I'll have emails from new teachers who say, Lisa, I lurk all the time. I'm just not confident to get into the chat. So uh, it, it's a little frustrating for me, guys. Uh, yeah. I'm not ready to throw in the towel quite yet, but the first thing I would say is bring them to the chat. But then the second one is find ways to support them to connect. So if you're a new teacher and you're just in Snapchat, <laughs> great. But what are other ways that you could be connecting? What about Twitter? What about Facebook for more than, you know, whatever all else you use Facebook for? What about Google Plus? Some of us still love Google Plus, even though, you know, their future <laughs> is a little questionable. But what about bringing them into the social media space, which, which is a blog, and have them begin to blog and to share their responses, share their ideas, share their concerns or frustrations on a blog. So, so that's, I think, where it might get a little uncomfortable about Twitter is because that it is very public. Um, yes. And so maybe talking about issues that you're having might not be, that might be not the safest space. But I feel like, um, like Facebook, particularly, I know there's a lot of closed communities on Facebook that you're able to speak a little bit more freely. But I feel like, yeah, the, the Twitter, the public thing on Twitter can be a, can be a double-edged sword, you know? Yes. Well, I would think that the uh, Twitter is going to be a lot more useful for discussing the things you want to do in your classroom, right? The, the goals you have, the aims you want to achieve, and, yeah, a different space for, like, the problems you're having in your classroom. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then, you know, guys, I think bringing new teachers to a place where they can connect I think is for me the most important because without that connection, they're going to be talking in their own head. Yeah. I mean, I remember being a new teacher too, and I was having these conversations with myself and I'm like, okay, I don't really know what the answer to that is or what to do. And, you know, I didn't have a mentor assigned to me, unfortunately, back in the day. But if you can bring as an experienced teacher or a principal, if you can bring your new teachers to a place where they can begin to connect, you know, on Twitter, even just to observe yeah. is a good start because without those connections, they're working in isolation and they're not going to be successful. And, you know, I see a lot and guys, you probably do too, of all these posts, you know, supporting new teachers to survive, you know, uh, 10 tips for new teachers to survive or, and it just really upsets me. So I'll typically always counter, no, I don't want new teachers to survive. I want them to thrive, and this is what I would recommend. And sometimes I'll get, you know, some pushback, but oftentimes I get, ooh, Lisa, you're right. I, I should have changed the title of my blog post. <laughs> Lisa, I feel like you've given us a lot to think about. Um, and thank you so much for taking the time to, to do that. Well, I, again, guys, I'm really honored because it is my passion. It is my vision to transform the way that we prepare pre-service teachers and then the way we support them and the support new teachers in the current 
education climate that we're at. And I believe we can do so much more and there's so much more work to do. So thank you for allowing me to share my passion and my vision. Well, you are doing great work and we really appreciate it. Um, People don't know this, but we don't get paid the big bucks for doing Twitter chats. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if that was pu public knowledge. You know, most fields, there's financial incentives. In education, we just have big hearts. Um, but we'll reach out to Twitter to start paying us. But again, thank you so much for joining us. And, and we definitely hope to continue the discussion online and on NT Chat and in other spaces. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you for all the work you're doing to bring these important ideas and concepts you know, to the forefront for all the, the hard workers, the boots on the ground that are, you know, so committed and caring every day, which are our teacher educators. Thanks. Lisa, where can, um, where can our listeners find you? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Um, you can go to lisadavs.com and there um, um, you can see my work and what I do. And like I said earlier, I'm getting a reboot of my site. So I'm super excited, guys. Um, but lisadabs.com is the best, best place to find me. And then I am in several social media spots that I love, the first one being Instagram, at Teach With Soul. And you can find me there, and that's a place that I really love being. And I'm Periscope with Ooh. at Teach With Soul. Because I really believe, guys, that even though I'm not going to go into Snapchat, you know, video is so important, as we know. And so bringing our new teacher community into Periscope is a new little project for me. That's why we have a podcast. That was a really terrible joke because we're, you said that video is the place to go. Not all the jokes land. Some jokes, some jokes are edited out. There you go. <laughs> Including that one. So thank you so much, Lisa. And we are all about sharing the learning here at the Vision of Education podcast. And so if you have any great ideas in education, you can tweet us at Visions of Ed. If you're doing something creative, fun, interesting, periscopy, video-oriented, podcast-based in education. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Oh, if you write us a five-star review, we'll totally read it on the air, and maybe we'll bring you brownies. But probably just read it on the air. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. Until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast, signing off.